The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, July 21st, and today is National Lamington Day, which is apparently an Australian dessert. It's also also National National Junk Food Day, and it is also National Be Someone Day. Oh, yeah, because, you know, everyone wants to be someone. That's right. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter Spaces. And you can also participate in the show um, on Twitter Spaces by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, I have the dope dad, that's right, in studio with me today. Oh, yeah. In the building, the dope dad himself. You know, the babysitting duty must be done for the day because he managed to make it all the way over here. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Mr. Rico Lamite. Can I get some applause, man? Come on, bruh. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. What's happening, everybody? It is hot in here, in the studio, and it's not just the, the best weed in the world. It's just actually really, really hot. So apologize for the profuse sweating, but um, we're out here. We're out here. My story today, it's a sad one for some, but uh, for me, I told y'all so. <laughs> My name is Rico, and, I'm a, and I am a cancer. As we begin today's show, knowing that it'll sadly be the last that we're going to do for cancer season of 2023, I just want to give a shout out and happy birthday to my fellow cancers out there who celebrated so far this June and July, but also to the ones turning up today and tomorrow. It's the official end of our time. We cancers are emotional creatures, passionate. We live for the emotional extremes. Generally, after the highs experienced celebrating our early trips around uh, our yearly trips around the sun, you can expect us to turn back down, back into our shells to close out the summer depressed every single year. And the worst part about being a cancer as a kid was the fact that our birthdays were in the summer. Never got to experience cupcakes in class. No teachers giving us shout outs or letting us flex in front of other students. No special birthday privileges to give 
or to leave class early, like all the lesser Zodiac signs and birthdays during the school year got. We had to organize our birthday parties around other kids' summer vacations, camp schedules, or whatever the hell uh, those parents out there had planned for the kids out the house and get them, get them out of the house in the summer. So summer sucked. But y'all know what the absolute worst... Wah, 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 wah. Y'all know the absolute worst gift that you can give a 10-year-old cancer? To all the parents out there? The promise that you're going to celebrate their special day in the fall when school's back in session. And that's exactly what our do-nothing Congress is telling us that we can collectively do on the celebration of 10 years of the anniversary since the introduction of the first version of what is now known as the Safe Banking Act. <laughs> Sorry, kid. We got to focus on these here summer vacay plans. That's right. According to Marijuana Moments, Kyle Yeager, a key Senate chairman, says that a, pi a bipartisan marijuana banking bill will not get a committee up mark next week. Markup next week, according to an advocate who spoke with them, meaning that it will not be addressed during the summer session. Forget what y'all heard. We tied, boss. Lobbyist Don Murphy in the Marijuana Leadership Campaign said Thursday that he spoke to Senate Banking Committee Chairman Sher uh, Sherrod Brown of Ohio and told him, uh, who told him that his panel will not be voting on safe banking before the start of recess beginning July 31st, as Jason's favorite president would say. Sad. <laughs> Murphy told Marijuana Moment he posed the question to Brown as the senator was leaving a hearing Thursday, jokingly asking whether he should make vacation plans early or if Safe Banking would be receiving a markup next week before lawmakers leave town for the summer. After the end of this month, the Senate isn't scheduled to return until September 5th. Somebody uh, give me a miniature violin. <laughs> you got that, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> Murphy told Marijuana Moment. Marijuana Moment. Oh, oh, oh. The disappointing news indeed. It's disappointing news indeed for advocates and stakeholders previously hyped up on the words of Senate Majority Leonard, a leader and man with enough confidence to wear his glasses like an elementary school librarian, Chuck Schumer, who included the cannabis legislation in a list of legislative priorities for the summer session. But that's y'all's boy. For the article, Brown himself said early June that he hoped to, to hold a markup of the bill in the next two or three weeks. But more recently, there have been signs that senators had reached a temporary impasse over the bill, with Brown insisting GOP sponsor Senate Senator Steve Daines find more Republicans to formally co-sponsor the measure. So whose fault is it? Dane said Republicans were ready to act on safe banking as introduced. The holdup is disagreement over this one section of the bill that cons uh, concerns broader banking regulations. Certain Democrats did push to remove or alter Section 10, but one, senator, one senior GOP staffer told Marijuana Moment that doing so would be a non-starter for Republicans. Not to say I told y'all so, but I did. It's just more government bu uh, bureaucracy on the right and left, wasting more of our time with shiny objects. Y'all keep thinking that'll actually move on. Burn it down. I'm Rico Lamita, the double Dad on the street for High Nine News, and I've been done told y'all safe banking was a distraction. But I want to hear from Jason. What you think about this, man? Well, I mean, in all, in all reality, this is something that Gretchen reported on just on Wednesday, saying that safe banking wasn't going to go up for a vote before the summer, and it wasn't going to be until the fall that we had a vote. And uh, Am I correct on this, Gretchen? Gretchen's a, Gre correct. Gretchen's a yep. sage, and, uh -huh. she's, and she's usually uh, right. Uh, 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 I'm just calling all you right. right. I w thank you, Rika Lamit. Uh, and 
I was actually there. Spoke with Chairman Brown. I was with Don all day yesterday as we were hitting the hill looking for uh, some sponsors because what has happened in the Safe Banking Act when you're looking for someone to blame, it would be the good old Democrats. Mm. I know you don't believe that, <laughs> but hold on, yeah, hold on, and hear them. me with what they want. This is what these guys want now. All right. They move the goalposts. So, they always move the goalposts. That's their favorite thing is moving goalposts because they can't actually kick field goals, so they just keep moving the goalposts all around. We need some, we need anyway. some, we need some soccer players in there, Gretchen. You going to come help them out? Here's the deal. So what they are concerned about now besides Section 10, because that's their issue, is they would like Republicans to pick up another co-sponsor, because even though we have eight co-sponsors on the Republican side, they are saying that they are concerned that if they bring it for a vote, that we are just going to filibuster it and make them look stupid. And so we say, you're idiots. We're not going to filibuster. So now they want another sponsor. So that is what... Me and Don were out there doing yesterday, talking to Republicans, trying to get another co-sponsor onto the bill. And we have many good. Pro but this wasn't an issue before. Neither was Section 10. But oh, wait, wait, wait. It looks like this can actually pass. So Democrats are going to put up the roadblocks. This is pretty normal. Uh, so that's what you can expect from Congress. I got, but a, I got a fair question, though. Mark my words. Don Murphy and I will get you another co-sponsor before the end of August recess and we are going to do this damn thing and I don't care what you say safe is going to get a vote mm -hmm. Bullshit. Bullshit. Like Bullshit. here I got a fair question though I'm to get a vote I got a fair question was it not the Republicans are moving the, the goalposts last time it's always one one side no. or the other no. why did the Republicans move it last time what are you talking about because they didn't want to help out anybody uh, any uh, people of color they didn't want anything in there that was uh, close to social I'm equity. sorry, but that, that is, was, right? the, the that Republican, was, hold on, the Republicans have never said that they wanted to help people of color, so I don't suggest, how are you saying that we are moving the goalposts? Yeah. We've never said, yay, we're helping, and then no, 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 we're not. That's not our deal. And, and, We've never wanted to help. And, and if and our goal is to get wasn't that the reason? Wasn't that the reason why it hasn't passed? Like uh, the many times? No, no, no. The reason it didn't pass last time is because uh, Corey, Corey, uh, Corey Booker wanted to grandstand and say, "Oh no, we're not going to pass a bill for white men and he banks didn't say and this that. and he, he didn't did say, say that. that. Yes, no, he did. He didn't say yeah, white men. Yeah, he was going to die on the hill, on the hill before exactly." Exactly. So it is, it is the Democrats' fault the safe banking hasn't passed. See, this, 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 see, this was wrong with y'all. Y'all pointing fingers. It's the right or the left. Like, nah. Pointing fingers. Like, like, uh, all I'm, I'm saying just, like, I'm just is that's why real. it has not come up is because Democrats are now saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. You guys need more co-sponsors. Yep. All right, exactly. fine. We'll get you more co-sponsors. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Section 10, which was agreed upon by both sides a month ago, all of a sudden, no, we can't deal with that anymore. You got to change it. But this did, is but did, Democrats did the, article, did the article not, did the article not say that several what, what? did article not say that several Democrats were down to shift their position and the Republicans are the ones that did not have enough sponsors at the end of the day? Isn't that what Kyle Yeager said in the article? Uh, what are you talking about? In the article, Kyle Yeager, yeah. he said that it was the Democrats were actually willing to do um, um, uh, to shift their position to, to get it done. Shit. Kyle, Kyle Yeager probably doesn't know what he's talking about in regards to this one. To do, I don't know what you're talking about. So read if we article. get one more, I don't need to read the article. Read exactly. The exactly. I'm there. Who do you think told Kyle Yeager what was going on? Because it ain't Kyle Yeager running around the hill. Yeah, exactly. Him. The narrative does not fit Republicans' own 
facts do what not matter. About? All right. Facts if you matter. add up the numbers, okay, of sponsors add that we up. have for this bill, uh-huh. and there is no filibuster, this will pass with a simple majority vote. Exactly. No problem. Mm-hmm. But now, but now they're like, well, well, you might. So please go get more co-sponsors. Fine. We'll do it because we know that Chuck Schumer can't whip his fucking Democrats into line and get all of his people to vote for this bill. Mm-hmm. You know what? This is this is this is, this is, this is, this is, this is a time where I, I like to remind no people. Power? I like to remind people I'm a big fan of slides and not flip flops because Republicans are all about I'm the flip flop. There's no difference. We have been standing our ground since day one. There's no difference. Flip flops have thongs. No, no, no. There's no <laughs> difference between a flip flop and, and and a slide. There is no difference. Flip flops have just, thongs. There on is just Jason. some flip flops that have thongness in them. That's about it. And we're gonna go to a commercial. And we're Jason gonna be Beck, right back. Cisco of the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Thong. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google? Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Tune in now and check it out. Y'all know who it is. Is the man, the myth, the legend, known for smoking the best weed in the world. He's the longest continuously operating retailer in the world. But also, an avid fan of thong sandals, aka flip-flops. No, I can't, here to I can't wear those. Here to represent another zombie safe banking bill, Jason Beck. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Well, you know what? My 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 story takes us down to sunny Florida today. Because yesterday there was some interesting things going on because adult use backers urged the Florida Supreme Court for approval. That's right. Supporters of an effort to allow adult use uh, uh, cannabis by people age 21 and older urged the Florida Supreme Court on Wednesday to sign off on a proposed constitutional amendment for the 2024 ballot. A a brief filed by lawyers for Smart and Safe Florida, a political committee sponsoring the initiative, assailed arguments by Attorney General Ashley Moody aimed at keeping the proposal off the ballot. They described her arguments as as thinly veiled policy agenda, in quotation marks. Moody last month filed a brief contending the Supreme Court should reject a measure saying it is misleading to voters in several respects. The sponsor's attorneys, however, said they relied on the court's own roadmap in rulings about recent marijuana-related inactivities to craft the current proposal. In a quote, but the attorney general and the other opponents now argue that this court should abruptly redraw the map what where is that sound coming from zaza you you got the attorney general's lead argument that this court should just should discord uh, discard three of its recent precedents precedents that the expressly encouraged ballot sponsors to use as blueprints for drafting future initiatives the attorney general has given so far as to suggest that this court should abandon the differential standard of review that has constantly applied to the ballot initiatives for decades, essentially arguing that this court committed legal error in dozens of decisions and that it should invent a new, more inherent standard 
before discarding precedent, Wednesday's brief said. The court twice ruled that the previous initiatives aimed at authorizing adult use of cannabis did not meet the constitutional muster under the Florida Constitution. Ballot initiatives must be confusing uh, excuse me, ballot initiatives must be confusing to voters and must address a single subject, they say. Uh, the, the Smart and Safe Florida Committee has submitted more than nearly 900,000 petition signatures required to get the adult use of marijuana initiative on the ballot. And truly, the state's largest medical marijuana operator has contributed nearly $40 million to the effort. Court approval is the last hurdle for the initiative to be placed on the 2024 ballot. And the proposed ballot summary in part says the measure would allow adults 21 and over to possess, purchase, and use marijuana products and marijuana accessories for non-medical consumption. In a brief filed June 26, lawyers for Moody's office said the summary is incorrect and misleading because marijuana remains illegal under federal law. And in previous in previously approving sim similarly uh, wor worded ballot summaries, the court aired that the state's lawyers argued, but the sponsor's brief Wednesday said the court should should reject these misguided efforts to jettison established legal rules in services of a thinly veiled policy agenda. The sponsor's lawyers noted that the court twice allowed medical marijuana proposals to appear on the ballot in 2014 and medical marijuana initiative failed to garner 60% of voter approval required for passage, but voters overwhelmingly approved a similar measure two years later. The court in 2021 rejected an adult use marijuana initiative in part because the ballot summary failed to address the federal law and the summary the summary could have voters to believe the proposal would have eliminated federal penalties, the court found. Wednesday's brief said the smart and safe Florida proposal follows the court's guidance and in drafting the presence initiative, SSF Smart and Safe Florida has followed their, that clear roadmap. The brief said the initiative summary explains that the amendment applies to Florida law and does not change or immunize violations of federal law, tracking the language this court has already approved. Yet the attorney general now asked the court to suddenly change course, holding that the language previously approved repeatedly and unanimously is no longer sufficient despite the court's dis description of that language as the model for sponsors just two years ago. But the court's undergone a major shift in makeup and ideology since approving the medical marijuana initiatives in 2014 and 2015. Since taking office 2019, DeSantis secured a conservative majority on a seven-member court after mandatory retirements of longtime justices Peggy, Peggy Quince and Barbara uh, Patrulance and, and R. Fred Lewis. The uh, governor who is running for president has appointed five courts, seven sitting justices. The court's holding of the Smart and Safe Florida proposal is drawing widespread attention as Americans grow more comfortable with the use of cannabis and medical and adult use purposes, and cannabis operators and investors are eager for Florida to, to the third most populous state in the nation to join the nearly two dozen states that have already authorized adult use. And this article just goes on and on and on, and I'm gonna digress in the sake of time. Um, with with all of this, I want to hear what y'all have to have to say. This is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour, and you can read the full article on our website. I mean, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're on mute, Gretchen. Jaja, can you hear us? 
Zaza, we can hear your TV. You, you need to mute, Zaza. You need to mute. Well, um, I think this there bill, or I, th I think I, I think it's the natural progression, right? Like, why would they not support? Why would they not urge them? The lawmakers. Mm -hmm. I don't really see <laughs> how this is news. Yeah. I mean, I you don't see how this is news. Are you serious? The fact that they're going over there and and lobbying uh, lobbying the court in order to make sure that their ballot initiative is passed. You don't see how that's news. Are you serious? Um, do, you, do we need to wipe your glasses? Yes, I do. But um, it's not like the, uh, their safe banking lobbying is going anywhere. Why don't they just uh, focus their efforts on Florida? Uh, safe banking lobby is going somewhere. I, I, w I wouldn't say that at all. I think you're, you're you definitely need to get a little wipey on your on your uh, just on like your it has over there. Was it uh, um, eight, nine times it's, it's tried to get through? It doesn't matter how many times it gets through. It's all about getting through, Rico. All right, how about we get back to the story, Rico? Yeah, and no. I, for I, people that, who that, that actually put matter. their feet on the ground in Washington, then they can bitch to me about how the lobbying efforts are going here. Exactly. Have they gone anywhere? Oh, they're going. You think going that we be sure. anywhere at this point? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? I'm just saying. Uh, so, in. Uh, I don't know. I don't have any op opposition to this headline or to this story. I just think it is okay. Like, yeah, they're, they're urging lawmakers to move forward on uh, recreational. Like, why would they not support it? Why would lawmakers not support it? Is that your question? Why would they not be pushing the lawmakers in that direction? The, the, the recreational potbackers. Like, if they're already supporting uh, cannabis or marijuana initiatives, like, why would they not urge? You, you obviously don't understand Florida? any of the context of the story, Rico. Summarize the story. <laughs> Summarize the story is basically is truly you've paid a whole bunch of lawyers to go and lobby the Supreme Court yeah. in there. Okay. And why the would, why would they not? They already put $40 million into the ballot uh, measure anyways. I, 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 that's what the article said. Very good job, Rico. You get a prize. Real trap shit. <laughs> no, seriously. This has been news. We covered this three weeks ago. They, we did not cover this because this just happened on Thursday, Rico. So that couldn't have, have even been a possibility in reality. With the $40 million that, that, that the they were for, the, the $40 initiative. million was one sentence in the entire story, bro. That's what I'm saying. That $40 million was 40, already proposed that they were going to be backing this. They were bankrolling the entire ballot initiative. We, everyone so, already knows this. We've reported this millions of times today. Yes. Why, why, why are you focusing on this one specific point? Because you just brought that up. That was in the article. And I'm saying, like, we covered that. So how is this news? That we already is know not, that they're That's not them. the article. The article is about is about the, the backers going into the Florida Supreme Court to make sure that it is able to actually be on the ballot. That is the point of the story. It has nothing to do with $40 million. $40 million is an anecdotal point of the article. The story that we covered previously gives us context to why this is being done. Why would they not be doing what they're doing if they're putting that I, much money I, towards I, well, it? Now, I, like I agree I said, with that. Yes, it is in their best interest. It is in their best interest. You, you're, you're crazy, Rico. You are, you're, you're batshit crazy today. I think, you, I think, all right, you two, simmer down. I think, and Omar, I would love for an actual attorney to jump in on this court story. It would be nice. Thank you. Um, I think what these folks are trying to do, Rico, is to suggest to them that the, what the attorney general has proposed in Florida is wrong. And they put together a document to, under, to help him better understand the initiative. 
that they are trying to do and that it is uh what are they calling this thing single single subject single subject Mm -hmm. and so that it is a valid ballot initiative correct and that it should move forward that is the news of the day is that they have put together this report and they use some of that 40 million to do that I don't know no, what, follow, what they paid. What I'm saying to is follow that. the money. Like, yes, they were putting all this money into the uh, controlling legislation. We all already like, know this, bro. This is not that's not new news. I don't understand why you keep focusing on this forty million dollars. I don't understand it's how this totally headline ridiculous. is new news at all. The headline has the, nothing the, the to do with forty million dollars. The report, Rico. Yes. The news is the report. Exactly. They have submitted more evidence, mm-hmm. a report to back up their argument. Omar, do you have any do you have any thoughts on this, Omar? Hey, Omar. <laughs> okay, I think what's happening is that Ron DeSantis' attorney general is trying to block the initiative that from is getting correct. on the ballot. That's correct. And That's correct. they're trying to argue that it violates the it's vague and confusing, violates mm-hmm. the single subject rule. Correct. And correct. that it's really a political ploy aimed at preventing democracy from working in Florida. We know that Floridians want adult use cannabis. They don't want the monopoly or duopoly or whatever type of Cartel. monopoly happening. Cartels. Triopoly. Is that what it is? There's, there's, um, car- there's cartels out there. There's government there. cartels. Yes. And so basically, um, they filed a brief in opposition to the attorney general's request to hold this uh, initiative as unconstitutional so it doesn't get on the ballot. Basically, the Florida attorney general is trying to keep democracy from happening in Florida. And if we look at the extreme, you know, culture wars that are happening in Florida, this is certainly something that they're trying to do because they're trying to keep the voters from voting. Imagine how many young people would turn out to vote if this were on the ballot. I think it's an effort aimed at stymieing democracy and I think it only makes sense for people who spent $40 million trying to get an initiative on the ballot to defend it before the Cal- before the Florida Supreme Court, before it gets blocked by the attorney general. Omar, um, if, if Donald Trump ends up getting pushed out of the race and it's Ron DeSantis is the Republican nominee and he wins, like, what is that? Future that, that, you're, like. you're speaking in way way too crazy hypotheticals, bro. That, that's not even that's because you're pro Trump. That's just not well, even a reality, bro. Let's let's do a hypothetical and assume that Dear Leader does not become the nominee of the Republican Party. If Dear Dealer <laughs> Dear Leader is out of the picture, right. I think Juan DeSantis will engage in more culture wars, and he really sees cannabis as part of the culture wars and as a way to turn out young Democrats, and so. It's, you know, I think that Ron DeSantis does not want this to be on the ballot. He doesn't want young people to be engaged in politics. They want people to be turned off from politics and to think it's all a quagmire so that they can uh, make the rules without Democratic participation. Jason? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't I don't agree with a lot of that. I mean, the reality is that is that the only reason you even have flour available in Florida is because of Ron DeSantis. So I'm not I'm not buying a lot of that. But I understand how Omar feels in, in regards to that. And uh, and with that, we're going to keep it moving because we're short on time and we need to get over to Gretchen Gailey. She's the feisty redheaded conservative that loves to tell pot love and lives all about themselves and dress up their dogs up in fancy costumes and parade them all around Capitol Hill. And that's probably what she's going to be doing this weekend. That's right. It is great other than the Gretchen Gailey. 
It's too hot to parade the dogs. And what will I be doing next week? I will be back on the hill fighting for your rights, Regal to Meat, which you don't fucking seem to respect. So I don't know I respect the... Uh, you don't respect the fight. I give. I give. Uh, my headline is: Congressional Committee schedules hearing to press FDA on lack of CBD regulations next week as bipartisan lawmakers file bills to address the issue. A congressional committee has scheduled a hearing for next week focused on the FDA's refusal to enact regulations to allow for the marketing of hemp-derived CBD products. And bipartisan and bicameral lawmakers have separately reintroduced a bill to fill the regulatory gap. The House Oversight and Accountability Subcommittee on Healthcare and Financial Services scheduled the hearing titled Hemp in the Modern World, the years-long wait for FDA action. Uh, this will be taking place July 27th. Chairwoman Lisa McLean said in a press release on Thursday that the FDA has failed for far too long to do its job to ensure the safety of legalized hemp-derived products. Without these regulations, dangerous products could make their way to the shelves, while safe and credible CBD products could be prevented from entering the market. We are going to investigate why exactly the FDA has decided to ignore their regulation responsibilities related to CBD and other areas of jurisdiction. We need to ensure that the FDA is not setting what would be a dangerous precedent and using this as an opportunity to seek more authority and resources from Congress. Representative James Comer, who chairs the full committee, has sharply criticized FDA after the agency announced in January that it would not be developing CBD regulations, stating that there is not an available pathway to create such rules and it would require congressional action. To that end, Senators Ron Wyden, Rand Paul, and Jeff Merkley, along with Representatives Earl Blumenauer, separately filed legislation on Thursday that would remove regulatory barriers that the FDA claims prevents it from allowing CBD sales in the food supply or as dietary supplements. The Hemp Access and Consumer Safety Act, which was also introduced last Congress but did not advance, would exempt hemp, hemp-derived cannabidiol, or a substance containing any other ingredient derived from hemp from certain federal regulations, restrictions while permitting officials to enact labeling and packaging rules. Despite, despite being legally grown in the United States for nearly five years, hemp and hemp-derived CBD are still in a regulatory gray zone that puts consumers at risk and holds producers back, said Wyden. The FDA, uh, the FDA says it needs Congress to act. We've got the bill to ensure equal and safe access to hemp-derived CBD. Merkley added that our hemp farmers need updated CBD regulations to thrive. FDA, get it done. Paul, for his part, said that CBD products and businesses have earned their recognition in the marketplace, but the FDA unfortunately hasn't treated them like any other food additive or dietary supplement. The Hemp Access and Consumer Safety Act directs the FDA to regulate hemp products properly and provide a huge relief to hemp farmers, processors, and merchants. Comer, meanwhile, said in April that his panel would be launching an investigation into the matter, and he requested that the FDA turn over documents related to its decision not to regulate the cannabinoid. Even before the agency made that decision, the congressman expressed his intent to address the lack of rules. Now lawmakers are gearing up to formally address FDA's inaction at the subcommittee hearing. Jonathan Miller, general counsel to the U.S. Hemp Roundtable, will be among those testifying at the meeting. Uh, the organization announced on Thursday, I'm honored to serve as a witness for this historic uh, hearing to testify to the extraordinary challenges faced by hemp farmers and CBD consumers over the past five years. I look forward to shedding light on the urgent need 
for clear regulations and ensure consumer safety and promote the growth of the hemp industry. Uh, I hope that Congress will hold these jagoffs to task. Uh, they seem to be going after every other agency out there for sucking at their jobs. Uh, so I don't see why Republicans won't hold back on the FDA. I hope uh, the hammer comes down. This is Gretchen Pryde News. Pryde 9 News. Oh, boy. I hammer. love hearing you say that. Death to the FDA. What? I didn't. Did, what, what, when did death to the FDA come out of my mouth? Just now, technically. If, if you take a hammer I to said, somebody's head. I hope head. they bring the hammer down. If you take a hammer to somebody's death head. Death to the FDA. Dead. It means start making some damn regs. You were told to do this over yep. a year ago in mm-hmm. legislation, and you jagoffs just ignored us. So uh, let's do your fucking jobs. Why are we paying you? If you can't do anything, then dismantle it. Screw mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Burn it. Burn it to the ground. Burn it up. Burn it down. You know, the FDA is just going to make some terrible rules anyway once they finally do and probably make all of your products illicit and not able to sell anymore. Burn it down. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I... I'm well, it's difficult. That's a roadblock. Yes, Dr. Talleyrand. It, they're just in a difficult spot because they've already approved CBD as a pharmaceutical. Um, and so that's just the path that they would have to take with any hemp-derived CBD as a pharmaceutical. And I think most of the uh, stakeholders are wanting them to take a nutritional path to hemp rather than a pharmaceutical path to CBD. Well, Dr. Talleyrand, I have a question for you. With the FDA continually saying their hands are tied, we don't have a pathway, is it really up to Congress to make that pathway? Why would it be up to guys who know nothing about science to determine the next pathway? When, can't the FDA come out and say, this is how we're going to do it and create a new pathway? They, they can and they should. And I think that they, they seem to be planning to with the hire of of a pro-cannabis guy, I think they did last year, I forget his name. Um, so I think that they might be developing their own path, a separate path for cannabis. They haven't come out with it yet. And at this point, the only way you're gonna put uh, a cannabis product through the FDA is with an investigational new drug application, just like any other pharmaceutical. It's a 20 year process. Yeah. And- but why would they keep saying that they need Congress to do it? Because they need Congress to do it the way they want it done, which is not through double-blind testing and the pharmaceutical path. You know, I, th- I think Congress wants it done in a way that currently does not exist under U.S. law, given existing precedent. I think Congress could pass a regulatory framework that allows for regulations that do not require double-blind testing and extensive pharmaceutical studies, uh, but the current system framework does not allow for it and i think that's why the fda mm-hmm. basically said you've blown our fuse we're not able to uh, process this mm-hmm. yep and not not to mention too the the fda already holds drug preclusion on cbd for the epidiolex and therefore therefore all of these products are going to be deemed illicit uh, ultimately at some point in time and THC for Dronabinol, yep. you know, Marinol. Yep, for Marinol, yep, exactly right. And that's why any rescheduling will have dire consequences for the cannabis industry, as stated many times on this show. The house always wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's right. We got the Gretchen eye roll, so that's how you know it's time for a commercial. We'll be right back. 
The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Uh, stop whatever you're doing. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe to the channel as well if you have not already. Um, also, too, make sure you share the show with your friends because we here at High 9 News believe that organic growth is the best growth. You have another commercial, Adam? All right, run that. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Up next, this legendary cannabis doctor is the founder of Medican and co-founder of CESC. And he knows more about Rex than a paleontologist. Coming to the stage, Dr. Jean Talleyrand. Thanks, Rico. Uh, happy Friday, everyone. My headline today is from Hemp Gazette, a Science Friday headline. Study medic medicinal cannabis use benefiting veterans by Stephen Gothernet. A survey finds that cannabis use improved quality of life and reduced medication use by military veterans. It's estimated that 20% of the 19 million U.S. veterans have a mental illness or substance use disorder. Included are veterans with, with depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So this study, performed by researchers from the Cannabis Center of Excellence, the University of Utah, and the University of Massachusetts, analyzed survey data from 510 U.S. military participants. So there are two general approaches to research. The first uses inductive rationale to develop a hypothesis. You might remember seventh grade science where you're given two different chemical substances and asked to write down your observations. Both substances are white, both are white, but one was powdery and clumped with moisture, while the other was crystal-like and dissolved with moisture. So you used your inductive rationale or power of observation to determine that the chemicals were different. Observational studies develop theories of hypothesis. This, or hypotheses. The second approach to research uses deductive rationale to test the hypothesis developed from the first approach. In seventh grade, you might have proposed that the chemical substances tasted different and then put a little in your mouth to prove your hypothesis. Cannabis research is much the same. We're currently applying inductive rationale or observational study to develop theories. In this study, 91% of those surveyed reported that cannabis use improved their quality of life. 80% had fewer psychological symptoms. 73% had, had fewer physical symptoms. 
Furthermore, 21% reported using fewer opiates. 30% used fewer um, over-the-counter medicines, and 25% had reduced their antidepressants. Regarding lifestyle, 46% reported consuming less alcohol and 24% less tobacco. Even to a seventh grader, the hypothesis or scientific theory should be clear. It's already been demonstrated how cannabinoids, one of the active ingredients in cannabis, might reduce pain or improve moods. This study observes that cannabis use is associated with improved quality of life and fewer mental and physical symptoms. From this study, the authors have concluded that medical cannabis use among veterans plays a role for harm reduction. In my opinion, there is currently enough evidence to develop theories. Theories allow a deductive rationale where double-blind randomized control trials can be applied to determine cannabis dosage, safety, and efficacy. When it comes to proving that cannabis works as medicine, scientific studies are well on their way toward the finish line. Unfortunately, government regulators are lagging. Delaying rescheduling or descheduling of cannabis ignores the science. What do you think? Is this the straw that finally breaks the government regulators back? Will we finally change the status of cannabis under the Controlled Substances Act? I think a seventh grader would say yes. This is Dr. Jean Talleyrand with High and Nine News. Well, I would vote for that seventh grader then, Dr. Talleyrand. <laughs> <laughs> great, great. Uh, uh, yeah. Thank you for that story, uh, Dr. Talleyrand. It's, it's, it's a shame. It's not going to pass all because government bureaucracy. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this is going to break the camel's back, but but I I do think that this is a a step in the right direction, and I'm probably going to need probably like at least another hundred, hundred fifty more studies like this before people really start to listen. And we need somebody in power well, I, to personally benefit from it. Yeah, I, I'm excited because we are halfway there. We know mm -hmm. that it works. I mean, we're seeing that it works, right? We just need to figure out what it is that's actually working you know, what combination of ingredients and how much dosage do we need to give uh, to get the effects that we're looking for. So we're halfway there. Um, research is progressing. Yeah. It's Dr. been 20 Talleran, years. Is, is this the kind of study that they would actually want, though? Would this be considered a clinical study? No, because, no. well, wow. this is this is a... If you look at the phase studies, they, they look at studies phase one, two, three, four, progressively doing clinical studies. This is sort of out of order. This is phase four. It's the last study. Usually you don't put a product out to the market without studying it first, but cannabis sort of did it backwards. The product's already out in the market, right? It's already being used. So that's why we have to use our observational approach to see how it's working to come back and start doing phase one, two, three, um, like they're used to. I think the starting point with cannabis studies would be LD50 studies to determine the uh, toxicity of cannabis. That's usually what they start with other substances. And then that would quickly show that cannabis is not neurotoxic. And in fact, it has an LD50 and uh, you know the, the lethal dose at which 50% of those consuming it die, 
it's so high that you can't even possibly get enough cannabis into your body through regular smoking or ingestion in order to die. So it's one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to humanity. And we need studies to make that clear. LD50 studies have already been done for THC and CBD, right? And they're done on animals usually. Um, and so you have to extrapolate that data and then look to convert it to humans. But humans are already taking it in very high doses and they're not dying. Um, so like I said, the observation study is already telling us uh, that that hypothesis is clear. And those studies will really simplify subsequent studies because then they don't have to worry about cannabis killing anybody. Dr. Talleran, I hear you when you say, you know, this is common sense. This is how no one's dying. It's out in the marketplace, yada, yada, hypothesis, this and that. I don't think Bruce has ever heard the word hypothesis. And I don't think they, I think their little <laughs> minds would explode at the idea of common sense. This is already out in the marketplace and people aren't dying from it. So how do we get around that? How do you get to the phase one, the phase twos, and the phase threes that they need? Well, first you use your study, your powers of observation to develop a theory or a hypothesis, and then you go forward with the study to prove the hypothesis. Um, so now that we see that cannabis imp improves quality of life, figure out what dosage, how much, what they're getting, and apply the study. It's it's a simple process. It just needs to get going. And what's the At, what are the barriers there? Just well, getting people to fund these studies? Uh, Scheduling is the barrier because in order to do phase one, two, and three studies, you need to dictate how much the patient is taking. And you can't dictate that they take a federally illegal drug. Oh. So that's it's, it's the scheduling that's stopping it. Well, what about um, the DEA-approved ones that, like, Sue Sisley did? Like, are, is that how you get around that? Sue, Sue Sisley did a prospective study uh, for PTSD. Yeah, so that's basically how you get around doing that. The only problem is Sue Sisley didn't like the weed that she got from the government. Right. Of course she didn't because it's trash. It's worse than Colorado right. weed. Right. Because in her powers of observation, she saw that the community was not using that type of that level of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And so she wanted to use what the community was using. But the DEA only had what they had. They didn't have yep. what the community. Had. They squashed that. They squashed that. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, they're trying to fix it by allowing other people to grow cannabis outside of the farm in Mississippi. Um, but, you know, it's bureaucracy. It takes yeah, a long time lots of lots there. of bureaucracy and, you know, probably not the right genetics that are going to be produced either in the first place or the right cultivators even to, to really maximize the production of those. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that we're going to be screwed on top of screwed. Well, meanwhile, I'm having a great time observing. I, I, you know, it's been very good, yeah, hey, hey, I'm good information out there. Yeah, 100%. 100%, Dr. Talleyrand. And it still continues to give us something to talk about here. So thank you so much for covering <laughs> that today. We appreciate all of your information and knowledge. And coming up next, he's back from Wrestling Tigers. That's right. This is Mr. Omar Figueroa, who not only does jujitsu, but also does it in the courtroom. And apparently, he did it in the 
Serengeti. That's right. He's a Ganjier, and this is Mr. Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from MJ Biz Daily. The headline is, Curaleaf may be the next marijuana MSO to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Curaleaf Holdings hopes to be the next cannabis multi-state operator to join Terrasend on the Toronto Stock Exchange, TSX, in a bid to tap a wider investor pool. The news, first reported by Cultivated, was tucked in a shareholder meeting notice filed by the New York-based MSO last week. In connection with the proposed listing of the subordinate voting shares of Curaleaf Holdings, Inc. on the Toronto Stock Exchange, the company wishes to implement a reorganization of its U.S. cannabis assets, the filing reads. The first step is soliciting consent from shareholders to a list of proposed indenture amendments, which include redefining terms such as asset sales and change of control. Terracent began trading on the TSX on July 4th after restructuring its business so it could list on the exchange. The move is already bearing fruit. Jason Wild, the executive chair of Terracent, tweeted on July 13 that the company was no longer a restricted stock at Morgan Stanley, a move that allows the investment bank's customers to freely trade Terracent shares on the TSX. In November, Curaleaf CEO Matt Darren told MJ Biz Daily in an interview that the company was investigating its options to list on a larger exchange. I think there's a path potentially to uplist to the TSX, which would be an improvement in liquidity and availability of at least some institutional investors to purchase our stock, he said. We're having all of those conversations and ultimately, we want to figure out the best opportunity for liquidity being accessible to the larger investor base. Curaleaf currently trades over-the-counter as CURLF and on the Canadian Security Securities Exchange as CURA. Uh, the story is Curaleaf may be the next marijuana MSO to list on the Toronto Stock Exchange. My take, I did some research and currently the Curaleaf over-the-counter stock is down close to 5% from today's opening value, down from a, a 50 from a high of 50 back in 2018. Similarly, the Canadian Securities Exchange stock is also down close to 5% from its opening value at 4.47, down from a high of 21.25 back in February 2021. Apparently, this news of a potential uplisting has not been greeted with great enthusiasm by investors. If Curaleaf thinks institutional investors are going to jump on their stock with an uplisting to the Toronto Stock Exchange, its C-suite needs to stop drinking so much blended Canadian whiskey, which violates the first rule of drinking I learned at Yale. Don't mix hard liquor. The C-suite would have a much clearer perspective if they dropped neurotoxic alcohol and went California sober. As the old saying goes, God created cannabis, man manufactures alcohol, who do you trust more? This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Ganjie instructor, reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for high at nine, high noon Eastern. Oh man, man, oh man, oh Give man. Give me chills with that one. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, I just feel like for them to do this this late in the game, they must be in need of desperate, desperate cash flow. That's right. Isn't everybody? I mean, everybody uh, is, but like this is this is like they, they should have done this years ago. This, they're glad that they didn't. They can get the capital they need now. I mean, I'm surprised that they weren't already trading on the on the TSX. That's part of my point. Yeah. That's part of my point, Rico, right there. Exactly right. But it, it, it's often in a lifeline. It's the perfect nothing. timing. What point, Jason Beck? I'm so confused. Well, Gretchen, I mean, there's a I lot of things we can't do. I love how the flip-floppers are just sitting there's right next to each things. other. You should just of... start playing a game of <laughs> musical chairs. Both of you just start flip-flopping around. What the hell was that? Slides, baby. Slides. Oh, slides. man. Oh, my God. Like but I do love Omar. I love every day you give us life lessons from Yale. It's that my favorite thing. Um, they're all drinking, don't they? Um, no, no, but but, but <laughs> so no Long Island iced tea at Yale. Uh. <laughs> just beer, just beers. Shout out to Yale. Shout out to Yale. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> well, you you got to wake up the next day and attend class. So if right. you're like mixing hard liquor, you're gonna have a brutal headache. Brutal. But, headache. but you know what? If if you're in your dorm and you're day trading uh, Cura Leaf stock right now, you winning. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, I don't, I I don't know about you winning. Know what, but... My stock tip for Curly Stop is uh, short it yep. big time. Yep. I, I say short all the cannabis stocks. Short them all. That's my opinion. I'm, I'm tall. Yeah. That's all right. That's all right. You know, you just you, you, you can you can duck though. You know what I'm saying? So you can get a little shorter. I never duck in. I bet. Yeah. Right. My curve sometimes. Never duck. Never oh, duck. God. How God. much? How much money can these guys really get from doing this? Is it really a benefit? Oh, yeah. to Raise money. You have like access. Like millions of people trade on the TSX. And there's a soft yeah. like, mo momentum swings on there. Uh, you're going to go up with uh, different groups, and you won't be directly correlated with the U.S. market. You know what I? You know what I'm willing to bet? I'm willing to bet that they're mm -hmm. they're doing this move because of a swing like that. Because it's it's going to keep on dropping, and then safe banking is going to pass in the fall, and there's going to be a major uptick, and then their stock is going to go up like crazy, yep. and they're going to get all of this money rush in, and it's going to be a big snatch and grab, and then they're going to file for bankruptcy or something, and just and then cash a bunch out. of people, and a bunch of people are going to be mad. Yep. Exactly. Everyone's going to get shorted and everyone is going to be disappointed. I'm, watch watch this, Gretchen, giving you a little future prediction. The oh, sage. I love your predictions because they always come true. They always do. We all know. We all know. I know. Yeah. West Hollywood Sage has spoken. <laughs> oh, man. You know, we have we have one more story today that I'm going to cover. And I do want to thank uh, my 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 80 my year old aunt. She texted me this story this morning. Nana. Oh, yeah. So you're going to love this one. You're going to love this one. She was like, I really want to hear about this story today. And where did it go? Oh, here we go. Your Nana listens to us? Yeah, yeah. she watches us every day. She's a, she's a, yeah. she's a triple OG. She, she, you, you should, I'll read you some of the texts that she sends me to about the show. You will, you will love these texts. She's wowing. Yeah. Hope she likes me. Yeah, she does. She does like you. She's a, she's a, she's a conservative. She don't, she don't yeah. like she, she don't like she don't like white girls though. Yeah, no, stop it. Stop well, it. Nobody stop it. does. Jason, why don't you bring them colored girls home? Oh God. <laughs> New York bound seven thousand pound weed hauls shows a growing black market. That's right. One shipment was disguised as camera equipment. Another as shiitake mushrooms. But when law enforcement cracked open crates to look closer, they discovered thousands of pounds of marijuana worth tens of
of millions of dollars. The Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics has twice this year caught massive caches of illegal weed packaged in trucks heading to New York and New Jersey. On Wednesday, authorities raided a warehouse in Oklahoma City being used as a distributor hub for marijuana trafficking, seizing 7,000 pounds of marijuana worth almost $28 million. That followed a similar operation in April when they stopped about 7,000 pounds going in the same direction. Mark Woodward, a spokesperson for the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics, said activity in this state has has uh, soared. <coughs> Excuse me, as criminals are taking advantage of cheap land and legal loopholes to profit from the illegal trade. On a, in a quote, on any given day. There are shipments of marijuana going from Oklahoma farms to the black market all over the U.S., he said. New York is particularly enticing for the illegal cannabis business. That's particularly because of the problematic rollout of legal adult-use cannabis, with critics saying excessive regulations and a complicated licensing process have stymied legitimate efforts. Illegal dispensaries have popped up all over the state, with New York City Mayor A. Eric Adams estimating the number of the number operating in the Big Apple alone was about 1,500 in February. The state, meanwhile, has issued more than 200 licenses, but only lists about 20 open dispensaries. In June, the state's Department of Taxation and Finance Office of Cannabis Management inspected 33 storefronts in New York, um, Ithaca, and Bringingham, seizing at least 1,000 pounds of illicit cannabis worth over $11 million, according to Governor Kathy Hochul. And last week, New York police and state tax agents raided dispensaries in lower Manhattan, and more recently, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg reached an agreement to ban 11 stores, mostly under, mostly on the Upper West Side, from selling illegal cannabis products. For all New York's efforts, authorities still still don't have a good sense of where the weed is coming from. Cannabis sold sold legally in the state is typically grown within the borders and is subject to extensive regulations, driving up costs for cultivators and consumers alike. Oklahoma, though, has emerged as one of the simplest places to grow the crop. It legalized medical cannabis in 2018, and licenses uh, to sell cost just $2,500. The regulatory framework is also less stringent than in other states, and that's encouraged growers to move from places like California and Nevada among the first to legalize adult use cannabis use to Oklahoma, a trend Woodward said the state continues to see. The state has more than 9,000 licensed cannabis farms by the end of 2021, exceeding the number in California, according to the New York Times, and the amount got so high that Governor Kevin Stitt signed a moratorium on new growing, processing, and dispensing licenses last year, which will run until August of 2024. And voters also, reject, also rejected the legalization of adult-use cannabis back in March. And the state's legislature tried to, to intervene further this year by imposing stricter limits on who could obtain medical marijuana cards on how much THC the compound in cannabis gets you high, yada, yada, yada. And in a quote, as legal as, as illegal grow operations and bad actors continue to be the primary issue facing the industry, it is unwise to repeal changes uh, designed to curb the participation in the market in exchange for improvement to other areas of the state's program, he wrote in his veto of the bill. Oklahoma's Bureau of Narcotics is working with the state counterparts in New York and other states, as well as the Federal Drug Enforcement Agency, to clamp down on the illegal trafficking, said Woodward. But he said they're confronting the illicit activity every day. And in a final quote, 
We're either raiding a farm or a warehouse and shutting it down, he said. It's really a constant battle against these criminal organizations. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Oklahoma, New York. Man, it's just half the distance to New York from Oklahoma, so you know it's like half the risk in shipping your weed out there. What do you guys think about this? The trap wins again. The trap definitely wins again. <laughs> that is for sure. You want to talk about it? Not new story. Here you go. Knock yourself out. What do you mean, not new story? This, this is Nana's, though. This know? is seven thousand pounds of weed. It. I appreciate it, Nana. Uh, yeah, See, this, that's I told you one that, they caught. Mm -hmm. You making it not like you now? She's going to be disappointed in you, Gresham, that you don't have any I'm comment. Sorry. She was really excited to hear what you had to say. Oh, suck it. I'm All right. Uh, you want to know what I have to say? I yeah. can't believe New York's so excited about some Oklahoma weed. Come on, people. They got to be excited about <laughs> well, something. Well, I mean, they, they, they need some mids. They need some mids out there. Not everyone's spending $100 on an eighth, Gretchen. Well, um, what they say? Uh, 7,000 pounds was uh, worth, what, $3 billion? I, th I thought they said $24 million or $28 million. <laughs> Lord. Yeah, that's what I said too. I was like, get out of here. But you're like, I wish it was worth that. Man. Yeah, yeah. Twenty eight million dollars, they said. There's more ineptitude coming from uh the, the legal enforcement, the law enforcement in New York cannabis. Mm-hmm. There's mm -hmm. lots of lots of lots of dime bags, maybe it is worth twenty eight million dollars. Man, right? that's a lot of dime bags to sell, bro. That's a lot of transactions to get caught up by selling. That's right. <laughs> hey, you can stretch that zip though. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Street premium. I'm curious how uh Oklahoma is gathering their products and, and moving it out of state. Is it through medical growers and small co ops or is it the large larger growers? Um, I, I think it's a lot of these uh medical licensed grows and they're just you know what I mean, just bootlegging it and shipping it out. Doing what the trap do. Oklahoma yeah. allows you to grow six plants, flowering six plants. Uh, that's for personal. That, that's for personal. Eight ounces. That's for personal home grow, for not for not for licensed cultivations. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. This is. I, I'm willing to put money that this is coming from licensed cultivations out there. There's a number of them out there, and uh, the we've reported that the sheriff's department has said that they have active investigations on over a thousand cultivation facilities in the state of Oklahoma that are currently licensed. They've been watching. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. But until they drop that hammer, if you see some random trailer or some random truck just sitting outside your grow, no, you're probably being investigated if you're in Oklahoma. Just, uh, just saying. <laughs> 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 and thank you all for joining us for another episode of High Nine News. You can catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, High Noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love and getting your comments live on the big screen and the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in for the conversation on daily headlines of cannabis. To our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much-needed variety and perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, all our sponsors keeping the lights on and AV struggles to a minimum, and of course, the lovely Zsa Simone holding us down on other platforms, too. Thank you, Zsa To the haters, I hope you put another hundred down on safe banking passing and your AC in your house breaks down and you can't get it fixed till Monday. As always, oh, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason that we show up every single day to read these headlines. We love you. It's been Friday, July 21st, 2023. The show is over. You've all been blessed with today's top headlines. Omar Figueroa, you leave us with a little intention for the weekend. Stay copacetic and enjoy your California sobriety. 
What about nothing about wrestling lions, huh? Oh, go to Tanzania. It's incredible. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I want to hear about. I want to hear about this, man. I want to hear about this. Did you Did you get high out there too? I uh, know. You know they they have a full blown drug prohibition. But interestingly, interestingly, we visited the Hatsa hunter gatherers, and they were getting high when we went to visit them. <laughs> yeah. Yes, were they smoking weed? Was it Bammer? What were they on? Natural <laughs> European style. Don't um, smoke no bammer. Oh weed. boy! I, I wonder how long they've been doing that. Whether this is a long term uh, uh, habit or something relatively new. I think it's relatively new, and, and that's why they engage in trade with the outside world in order to get the green buds, or you know, in order to get cannabis. I would love to. I would love to hear the story, Omar. Let's, let's, let's rap about it. it. Sounds like all those Oklahoma sh uh, shippers just found a new market space, Omar. <laughs> 